0: to where you can actually go off and do your own thing. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. It's that time of day again, welcome into the program. It is The Voice of Reason. I am Andy Hoosier. What a day. It's been the post-Monday celebration, the greatest day of the entire week. You're excited. I'm excited. We're all excited. Let's get together and have fun and celebrate the fact that we are gearing towards the end of another day. The light at the end of the tunnel, one day closer to the weekend. Not that you should look forward to the weekend every day. We should be like productive during the week, but hey. I tell you what, I've been super productive today. What a day it's been. Welcome into the show. This is The Voice Reason. I am Andy Hoosier, broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas, on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country, radio, TV, live streaming, and podcasting, wherever you may be watching or listening. We appreciate you very, very much. Boy, do we have a show lined up for you today. As usual, a lot of things to get to, including Barack Obama back in the realm today, back in the news, visiting the White House. You know, he's got to check in on all the work that he's doing from behind the scenes and being like the puppet master of Joe Biden, kind of coming in to just check on things and see how things are going. We'll get to that here in just a second. Bottom of the hour, Jim Simpson, big guest on the show today. Jim Simpson, he is the author of the latest book, Who Was Karl Marx? The The Men, The Motives, and the Menace Behind Today's Rampaging American Left. That's his latest book. He's also an investigative journalist. He's a businessman, and he's also the former economist and budget examiner for the White House Office of Management and Budget, the OMB. He was under he was that um, examiner for the White House under President Reagan. H.W. Bush and Bill Clinton. So he's been in Washington, D.C. He's been a journalist. He's been a business guy. And now he's an author as well. We'll get him on the program at the bottom of the hour. A lot to talk about. He wants to talk about misinformation coming out of Russia. We're also going to touch on how the left has become consumed with marxism and extreme left progressivism so where are we at with the political um um theories going into today's politics of the day so we'll get to all that and a little bit more plus we have some stuff the latest news out of ukraine we have kamala harris back in the news and it's not good news for her she's sitting at like a 56 percent disapproval rating in this nation (laughs) i mean what do you know I don't know what you do with that information except for the fact that she's extremely unpopular and she's been really one of the most unpopular VPs in American history. That's saying something. The left used to love to rave on the fact that uh, that uh, George W. Bush's VP was unpopular. There's nothing that holds uh, – Dick Cheney – nothing that holds the candle to Kamala Harris – when it comes to the disapproval rating. She has kind of like set a new record low for that position. So we'll get to all that and more on the program. First and foremost, though, in the latest in What's Trending. What's Trending Today? I mean, we have to start with Barack Obama, don't we? There is a new headline that shows that moderate candidates and moderate politicians are the most popular politicians. I'm going to question that one in a minute because Barack Obama was not a moderate candidate in any way, shape, or form. He was not a moderate politician in any way, shape, or form. He was not a moderate president in any way, shape, or form. But yet he was still one of the most popular on the other side of the aisle. And he's still pulling the strings behind the Joe Biden administration. Biden doesn't know what the hell's going on. He can't remember his name half the time. He wakes up. He gets into the White House and the Oval Office. Around like 9 30, he does his half hour video Skype with his wife. She's got to remind him of what his name is, what his duties are for the day, what he's got to plan, <laughs> what his agenda actually is, how to, you know, pronounce words again. And uh, then he goes off and like meanders around. Now, Barack Obama comes into the White House today to do a checkup on what his pet project actually looks like and how it's going. And he's the celebrity. I've been watching some of the videos of Barack Obama's visit today. Hilarious. After he speaks, There's a crowd of individuals that's kind of meandering about, and everybody swarms to Obama like a celebrity. I mean, he's sitting there talking to people. There's like five people around him. The video, and it's funny, you can watch it on the Instagram channel for Breitbart News. You can actually see it. It's really hysterical because there is a video where Barack Obama's there. Everybody swarmed around him like the celebrity that he is and wanting to talk with him. Joe Biden is literally just like meandering about. He's like aimlessly walking around. He stops kind of like shuffles to turn around to look and see where Barack Obama is, realizes the crowd that's around Barack Obama, where he just sits there and stares at it. This is the active president of the United States, and he doesn't have anybody trying to talk to him. He's shuffling his feet, barely moving, moving like spinning in circles, looking at Barack Obama while he's got a swarm of people around him like a celebrity that he actually is. So it's hilarious to watch. I feel bad for Joe Biden because this is definitely getting to the point of borderline, like, you know, uh, elder abuse with Joe Biden and what's actually going on here. But then Barack Obama does speak and he says this. Thank you, everybody. Have a seat. Have a seat. Thank you. Vice President Biden, Vice President. (laughs) Wait, what? What? That was a joke. Now, that wasn't actually a joke. If you watch his facial expressions from the actual video, he had no clue that he made a gaffe there. Vice President Joe Biden, I see where the gaffes come from. Joe Biden really took a hold of what Barack Obama did and tried to mimic it. Remember, Barack Obama was the guy that couldn't actually function without a teleprompter in front of him. In fact, there was an onion. I don't even know if I still have the audio. If I did, that would be fantastic. Uh, There used to be a skit from the onion of Barack Obama using the teleprompter. And I don't know. Oh, I do have it. I do have it. Barack Obama making a statement from The Onion.
1: A little hiccup yesterday at the White House after President Obama's home teleprompter reportedly malfunctioned during a family dinner. Onion News Network Washington correspondent Jane Carmichael joins us now with more. Jane, tell us what exactly happened over well, there. Well,
2: on a last night in the middle of a conversation with Malia about raising her allowance, President Obama's home teleprompter suddenly went blank. He sort of froze mid sentence, but mm-hmm. after a few seconds of silence, Obama was able to call up his prepared remarks from memory. So it didn't
1: differ at all, basically, from the copy of the dinner conversation that had been sent over to. Right. Beforehand? That's right. It was almost okay. verbatim. Wow. He
2: hit all the points about Malia needing to get at least a B in math and trying to get uh, onto the soccer team, just in a different order than they were written.
1: Well, White House Deputy Press Secretary Brenda England briefly addressed this error today.
2: Let's take a look. Look, the president has uh, hundreds of conversations every day, and it simply isn't feasible for him to memorize the text for every single one. The prompter is really just a tool to help the president remember to speak, blink, and breathe. Mm. And look, yeah. Obama is always open about the fact that he works with a team of talented writers mm-hmm. on every remark he makes. Yeah, absolutely. The prompters just help make sure he doesn't say the wrong thing at any point ever. Exactly. He would write his conversations himself, but he's just too busy. Uh, he's the president. He does make sure, though, to look over and edit any asides or offhand remarks. He didn't personally script them. Of course. You know, Jane, it seems like the president has gotten better at using the teleprompter since the campaign.
1: Yes, We all sure remember has. that horrible pumpkin patch incident before the election when the Awful. wind blew the prompter over in the middle of
2: picking pumpkins That's with the right. girls. That's right, causing Obama to fumble around awkwardly, drop the pumpkin he was mm. holding, and to Sasha as Jennifer. And there was the Caps Lock incident. Oh yes, Obama nearly shouted himself hoarse over mm. the course of that speech. And there were various mix-ups where teleprompter operators displayed the wrong lines. Mm. Once it caused him to say, I played a little basketball myself in high school after sampling a piece of Cape Cod saltwater taffy. Boy, the GOP had a oh, field day with awful. that one. Obama was furious yeah. about it. He had his staff put a long, angry rant into the teleprompter for him to scream at them. I remember
1: that. But you know, also, uh, uh, Jane, we should point out that Obama's not the first president to use scripted interactions. No. Ronald Reagan was known for
2: using cue cards, for instance. Yes, exactly right. Yeah. And of course, Joe Biden is known for reading his remarks off his arm where he's written them in magic marker. Exactly right. Well, Jane, thank you so much for that report. We appreciate it as thank always.
0: Thank you. Anna. Yeah. See, that was when comedy was actually funny back in the day. And you could make fun of politicians on both sides of the aisle. Now you don't get a whole lot of that. We do have uh, a couple new sites and social media sites where they make some satire bits politically, but you don't see it much from the left side of the aisle anymore, do you? You really don't. Now that's from the Onion. When again they used to make uh, poke fun at both sides. You don't see that whole lot at uh, Saturday Night Live. I, they make fun of Joe Biden. I guess a little bit here and there. But come on, man. But. That was because Barack Obama couldn't have a conversation without a teleprompter. He stuttered all over the place when he tried to talk without being scripted in some way, shape, or form, and Biden has definitely taken hold of that as well. But it's even worse when they make that joke about the magic marker on his forearm. It's really not far-fetched because he can't even take Q&A from the media without it being scripted out and knowing who to call on and what to actually say during those conversations. But there it is, Barack Obama making the first gaffe of the day right off the bat. Boom! Vice President Joe Biden... Wait a second, totally meant to say that, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure you did. I'm sure you did. That bleeds into the conversation. There was an opinion piece. Now, this shows to me the desperation of the other side of the aisle as they try and ram through radical individuals into different positions in Washington, D.C., and then they try to say that the most popular candidates are the moderate candidates. Does this make any sense to anybody? Because right now, we're trying to confirm for the United States Supreme Court... Uh, Katanji Brown-Jackson that is a radical left-wing progressive. She's been a judge that halted a lot of Donald Trump policies when Trump was in office. She apparently doesn't know gender at all because she's quote unquote not a biologist so therefore she has no clue what gender actually is and she's been extremely lenient when it comes to the punishment of individuals with child pornography which is absolutely sickening and she's trying to say well there's a difference between like pornography coming in the mail and then just you finding stuff online so if you just have a little bit online then it's not as bad we're just not going to clog up the you know, the uh, legal system and the jails with a whole bunch of people with child pornography. You kind of should if they have it, but according to her, there's like some type of, you know, tear-stepping thing between the old-school child pornography of getting it in the mail and then being able to get it and download it from the interweb. To her, there's some kind of difference. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but that's what she's all about, a radical left progressive. Now, unfortunately, she's going to get confirmed because, according to the Associated Press, there are three Republicans that are actually going to be supporting her nomination, saying that she is absolutely 100% wonderfully qualified. Can you guess who those actually are going to be? Anybody? Anybody? Oh, yeah. It's the typical three Republicans that despise the Republican Party, which is Mitt Romney, Susan Collins, and Lisa Murkowski, the three moderate Republican senators that have always fought against Republican values while still trying to call themselves Republicans. They are going to be confirming Katanji Brown-Jackson, meaning that she has enough support without even the tie-breaking vote from Kamala Harris to support that now. At the same time this is being rammed through, there's a headline from outoftheordinary.com, which is uh, just kind of an opinion blog from progressives, but you can sense the desperation when this type of article is being posted on mainstream news sites. Here's the headline. The most popular politicians are the moderates. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Now, if that is true, and if the most, po- most popular politicians are the moderates, why are we confirming that? A radical left crazy wild woman to the United States Supreme Court to replace a radical left wild man on the United States Supreme Court. Why wouldn't we go for a moderate? Why would we go for somebody who's lenient on child pornography? Why would we go for somebody who says that they don't know the difference between a man and a woman because they can't define what a woman is because they're not a biologist? I mean, that would be common sense. We know these, uh, you and I, who's just trying to work every single day, we understand this concept. Don't know why it's such a big challenge for the other side of the aisle, but it is apparently because they have lost common sense and they've lost the moderacy. The left wing, and I'm talking radical, baby, I'm talking left wing socialists like Marxists all the way, you know, to where they put everybody in the identity box and they kind of control with that top down system there. Uh, Yeah, they're the ones controlling the Democrat Party right now. They're no moderates in any way, shape or form. In fact, they've cut out the moderates. Do you realize the hatred that Joe Manchin gets in this nation from the Democrats, from the AOCs? from the Joe Bidens, from the Nancy Pelosi's, from the Harry Reid's, from the Chuck Schumer's, from the everybody else, do you realize the hatred that they get? But according to the left, who's scared of the election coming up because they're in about a seven or eight point uh, drag behind the Republicans, they're trying to now say, well, Republicans, moderates are the way to go. They're the popular candidates. Got to get those moderates in there. Is it going to work? We'll talk about that when we come back here on The Voice Reason for a Tuesday. Stay here. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier.
3: Bring some reason into your day. This is the voice of reason
0: with Andy Hoosier. I want to ask you a question because I get a lot of heat on this every once in a while. People are like, you need to find both sides of the aisle, need to be the moderate, need to be the middle of the road, can't be an extreme one way or the other. And I agree with that concept philosophically speaking, theoretically, and being like, all right, yeah, you know what? I love seeing the other side of the aisle. I love having Democrats on the program. I love talking with progressives when I'm in the right mood to be able to try and understand their point A to point B thought process and when they get too radical on the other side there is no thought process like that to link it and so i just kind of bang my head against the wall and i gloss over and i get annoyed by them but if i can at least understand the thought process i respect the hell out of people i may disagree with their politics but at least i can respect them for having a thought out plan and concept uh, for them to craft their political views so i get seeing the quote-unquote middle of the road my question is though what does it mean to be moderate in today's times like what does it mean I don't even know what a moderate is anymore. Like, does that mean, like, I want middle-of-the-road tax rates? I want middle-of-the-road government spending? Like, to me, you know, the older I get, I I realize this and many times, that the more frustrated I get with things, I just want it gone. Like, you know, I, I, abolish the IRS. We don't need that crap. Just make it a flat tax. We're good. Boom. Easy, simple, done. There's no need for the IRS. Some say that's a radical position. I just think it's common sense. <laughs> I mean, is there a need for government? Sure there is. We're not anti-government as conservatives, and sometimes we do get labeled as such. We're not anti-government. We realize there is a necessary evil for it. We also realize that there is a needed structure that is a government entity, but it has to be limited. It has to be checked. It has to be uh, a checks and balance system, and it has to be capped to where it can't just grow out of control like we've been seeing for a very long time. And yes, 80% of the bureaucratic agencies and departments were not supposed to be intended by the Constitution and theoretically need to go away, the Department of Education the Department of Energy, the Environmental Protection Agency, the Department of Internal Revenue Service, just poof, gone. That's in a dream world. It's not going to happen because they're way too big. And once a government program's there, it's never going to go away. And we have to come to that realization in a realistic world. But, you know, we can dream, right? A guy can dream every once in a while, do the window shopping and realize, oh, look at that. There's a government with no agencies or bureaucrats trying to regulate my life. That's a pipe dream, but by golly, a guy can dream every once in a while. But what does it mean to be moderate? Because Mitt Romney, Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski, they pride themselves on being Republicans, but also pride themselves on being the quote-unquote moderates. And I don't quite know exactly what that means. You could look at like John Kasich as well, the former governor of Ohio. (laughs) Horrible politician, complete buffoon and a half. Considered himself a moderate, I'm a moderate Republican, I'm a conservative moderate Republican, yet he tried to run for president again with a Democrat on the ticket because he wanted to reach across the aisle so far that he actually fell off the cliff. So we have three that are going to confirm the Katanji Brown-Jackson confirmations that is a radical... And while the Republicans are winning in every policy debate right now, while the Democrats have zero popularity in the approval ratings right now and they're trying to find a way to boost it and they're looking at different ideas, the only way they know how to is to throw into the propaganda machine in the mainstream media about how the most popular politicians are the moderates. And they even came up with a list on the most popular governors in the country and the most po- in the most the top 15 popular governors, the top 15 popular senators to show the moderacy that's going on In these states, which is not true in any way, shape, or form. I'd like to read to you part of this list that they post as what they say is the popular governors in the nation. Number four on the list is my governor here in Kansas, Laura Kelly. First off, she is not popular, maybe in, like, Democrat areas of, like, Kansas City. Outside of that, nobody likes Laura Kelly. Uh, She's going to get completely destroyed in the governor's race here in my state coming up in November. But she's listed as the number four most popular governor, according to the polls In the national polls. She's not a moderate. She's a crazy radical left winger. Going down the list, Gretchen Whitmer from Michigan, a 20 point net approval rating, according to them, with Democrats leading their state legislature as well, by the way. They say that she's a moderate? On the Senate side, Joe Manchin by the way, is about the only moderate on there at number one because, well, he's more of a Republican in today's times than a Democrat, which is why he's got a popular leaning with a state partisanship of Republicans leading by 30 points. Joe Manchin's up because he stopped the Democrat agenda. It's not moderate Republicans, it's moderate Democrats that are popular. Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier.
3: When Reason Meets Radio,
0: you're listening to The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. You know, i got to admit, I do find it interesting when the progressives try and send out a propaganda news site and then it kind of backfires on them. We need moderate candidates into the election. Those are the most popular candidates in some districts, sure. In some districts, here's a perfect example, and then I want to get to our guest because we have a super awesome guest today. Uh, In the state of Kansas here, we have four congressional districts. One of them, Congressional District number 3, is really the Kansas City area, that eastern strip of uh, the state, and it's very moderate, obviously very populated with a lot of people with the Kansas City area. And uh, right now, Sharice Davids is the congresswoman from that district. She's the only Democrat that is in Congress, now from the state of Kansas, a very, very, very progressive, left wing progressive candidate that really likes to be part of the B Squad with AOC and Sharice Davids and. Or uh, Rashida Talib and Ilhan Omar and all those. She loves to be with them, and the reason that she won that from the progressive side was because she checked the boxes for all the identity politics that the Democrats like. She's a lesbian, she's Native American, and she's a boxer, so she's a strong woman. She's on the, uh, you know, the the LGBT crowd, and she's a minority with the Native American status. It's the perfect check boxes for the progressives, so they loved her. However i got to give her credit because she has played very, very, very smart in Congress so far because she hasn't been vocally outspoken with the AOCB squad because she realizes she's in a purple district and won it from a former Republican, Kevin Yoder, who was a, a kind of a moderate Republican in that district. But she won it from him because she played herself off as a moderate. Democrats... Have to be careful on the moderate side. They're not winning as much on the extreme left progressive side, and that's causing the internal battle with the DNC. Joe Manchin is like the most popular guy in the nation right now because he's blocked a lot of the Democrat policies and Republicans are liking him, which is why he's got such a popular approval rating in a state that's predominantly Republican. But this is a hit piece. Coming out saying elect moderate candidates because they realize that Republicans are so far up in the polls going into the midterm elections right now that the only way they can limit the damage to the Democrat agenda is to try and get more moderate candidates in there as opposed to the right-wing Trump, you know, conservative clinging onto your guns and Bibles type of candidates that are going to get nominated and probably win a lot of these seats nationwide. This is a hit piece for them to limit their damage, and it's backfiring because they're realizing that it's actually actually uh, really hurting the Democrat candidates that uh, shouldn't be moderate, that they want to be on the left side of the aisle and a little bit more on the extreme progressive side. That's all I got to say about that. Let's get into our what's trending for the day. What do you say? What's trending today? Speaking of the media and the hit pieces that they have, the propaganda that they have, there's a lot to go down that road with some of the misinformation we get, obviously. Are we going to get some of that back, maybe with Elon Musk purchasing the majority shares of Twitter? Hmm, things to ponder on that one. Yeah, yeah. But also, how far has the Democrat Party actually gone? There's a lot to get into and a lot to de- dive into uh, with that one. And I'm super happy to have this guy on the program. He's an investigative journalist. He's a businessman and a former economist and budget examiner for the White House Office of Management for the Reagan administration, the uh, George H.W. Bush administration, and the Clinton administration. And his latest book, of course, Who Was Karl Marx? The Men the motives, and the menace behind today's rampaging American left. It's Jim Simpson on the line with us here. Jim, how are you, my friend?
3: Hey, Andy. How are you? Great to be with you.
0: Yeah, it's really good to have you on the program. I appreciate you coming on here. There's a lot of things that I can't wait to talk to you about. Uh, but right now, let's talk about the, the bleeding in here, the misinformation, the propaganda machine. I'm seeing a lot of similarities between what like, the Russian KGB and the Russian media tells their people, which is why... All of a sudden, Vladimir Putin has a majorly high approval rating with the Ukrainian war. And the propaganda that we get from our mainstream media here in the U.S., there's a lot of similarities there, isn't there?
3: Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure who's teaching who in that case.
0: <laughs> not just the media, but the administrations. I mean, we see the Biden administration using the same talking points, uh, trying to talk tough, but not doing a whole lot. It's it's really yeah. mind-boggling how we're really seeing the same thing coming out of Russia and the U.S. government all at the same time.
3: Well, it's it's absolutely stunning. And while <clears throat> Joe Biden, when he is cogent enough to do so, uh, thro- you know, hurls insults at Putin with one hand, with the other hand, he's he's going to him begging for his help to restart the Iran nuclear deal, which is now looks like it's going to go through with about $100 billion going to Iran and them totally able to restart their nuclear program. Wow.
0: It's, how did we get to that point?
3: Yeah, how did we get to that point? Well, <laughs> read my book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, really. Well, how do we get to that point exactly? Because uh, they've been very active at it for a long time and None. unfortunately we are seeing it all they they're all coming out of the woodwork now and we are see- Joe Biden was not elected to help America Joe Biden was elected to put the finishing touches on the destruction of America that the democrat radical left have been engaged in for many decades and ramping up uh, at an accelerated pace under the Obama administration, and then doing everything they could to destroy Trump and now uh, get in this guy who when he when he can make any sense at all, he says and does the exact wrong thing, but it's not a mistake, yeah.
0: He kind of flew under the radar with this agenda, didn't he? I mean, we were so focused during the primaries, we were focused on the Bernie Sanders movement, the the whole socialist revolution when he came up and gave his speech that he was going to run for president and fulfill the FDR agenda with the New Deal and the progressive agenda that yeah. FDR had. I mean, he did this whole spiel about how he was going to fulfill that legacy and that dream. We were so focused on, oh, my gosh, Bernie Sanders and the socialist revolution coming through the Democrat Party. Then everybody was like, "Oh, Joe Biden's the lovey-dovey old uh, old guy, Joe that we just love, and he's kind of the moderate candidate." And I think that maybe they planned it this way. I don't know.
3: Yeah. No. Well. Yeah. Of course they did. I mean, they they made Joe Biden out to be the quote moderate candidate when Joe Biden has never ever been a moderate candidate. I mean, he's been against uh, (laughs) the United States, uh, the American defense. Uh, for decades. know, yeah. he was elected on the strength um, of a group called the Council for a Livable World, which was headed by a guy named Leo Zillard. He was a scientist on the Manhattan Projects, who the Soviets described as being their number one source for information on the atomic bomb. Think about that. This guy founded this organization and propped up left-wing candidates that would follow their agenda. So it's a lot like, uh, you know, the the radical left group that propped up AOC and some of the others. Back then, it was Joe Biden. And he also got help from Armand Hammer, who, uh, you know, he's been dead for a while now, but he was the CEO of uh, Occidental Petroleum, but he was also the son of Julius Hammer, Uh, the co-founder of the American Communist Party, and he was a Soviet agent doing the bidding of Lenin, Stalin, etc. During his lifetime, he was the early version of George Soros, and he propped up Joe Biden. He propped up Al Gore Jr. and Al Gore Sr. as well. He got Al Gore Sr. elected, and Al Gore Sr. never made an anti-Soviet uh, vote in his entire career.
0: It sounds like this agenda has been going on for a while then. I mean, this is, I mean, Joe Biden's been in office for what, 45, 47 years, whatever he says yeah. as a Senator. So yeah. this is even before him, this has been an agenda that's been a long-term plan in the works.
3: Oh yeah. Well, yeah, sure. Absolutely. From the thirties forward. Wow. Um, but it's really accelerated and, you know, uh, and we're just discovering how deeply entrenched they are in the various institutions of culture, uh, but especially in the federal, state, uh, and local bureaucracies of government. Um, because even when I was working in at the OMB in the '80s and the '90s, I, I could see it happening then. And it's you know it's not really surprising because think about it: we are well, we're not nearly as strong militarily as we like to think we are, but we are and have been anyway, you know, a very strong military power. And and no other military power, at least a wise one, would attack us frontally. They look at our weaknesses. And, you know, the, the, the Soviets are good at evaluating the weaknesses of the enemy and working on those weaknesses. And what are our weaknesses? It's our open society. It's our uh, it's our fairness, our ideas of fairness. Uh, it's the fact that you know pretty much anybody that can get a job can can work in the federal government. So look at that; they can just saw saw a perfect way to uh, infiltrate all the various institutions that uh, influence our society. And now they've now now they're there. They've got it.
0: They have it, and it's not going to go away. I mean, we always joke about, you know, once a government program started, it's never going to be downsized, it's never going to be shortened, it's never going to go away. But are people waking up to it, do you think, to realize what's going on and maybe starting to fight back from it a little bit, which is why it's so unpopular with uh, with the Biden administration's approval ratings?
3: Yeah. Well, no, yes, they are. And, and, and uh, uh, you know, I mean, we see that with the school boards all over the country being overthrown. I mean, that's just wonderful news. Um, we have to do more. We have to do as much as we can. Yeah. And, in fact, in my book, I uh, the longest chapter in the book talks about solutions for how uh, we can get ourselves out of the mess. Uh, there was a thing today. I don't know if you saw it. Uh, well, no, I guess it was a few days ago. Uh, True the Vote, my friend Catherine Engelbrecht of True the Vote uh, just came out.
0: I tell you they what,
3: Jim. Hold point. 4.
0: Hold that thought. Okay. We got to take a we got to take a hard break here. So I don't I don't want to cut you off here. So let's talk about that when we come back. What can we do to be able to fix some of this mess? And how far have we come over the years? We'll do that and more with Jim Simpson, who was Karl Marx. The book. We'll talk about that when we come back here on the Voice the of Reason. Voice Stay of here. Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day, the voice of reason. With Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into the program. Multiple radio stations, TV stations, live streaming, podcasting, wherever you are watching, listening, trying to cram that 10 pounds of reason into that five pound bag. That's what we're all about here on the show. By the way, I want to remind you that our latest blog has been officially published with Opsalins as well. You can go to Opsalins.com or go onto the app and you can see the latest writing there. We shared it on our social media, which you can find with my handle at Who's Your Reason on all of our social media, like all of them, Facebook and YouTube and Twitter and Twitch.tv and Instagram and TikTok and Getter and the Truth Social. As soon as I'm allowed on there, I'm still waiting for my approval on there. Good golly. But nonetheless, we we try to keep up with all of them. We try to keep everything somewhat relatively active, and you can find the links to all that stuff on the website at Who'sYourReason.com. Right now, we're hanging out with Jim Simpson. You can find him on his Tweety at James M. Simpson, as well with his latest book, Who Was Karl Marx? He's also an investigative journalist, businessman, and ran the OMB office for the White House under multiple different administrations. As we talk about the uh, insane evolution, is it? I guess the de evolution of the Democrat Party as Marxism has infiltrated in there. The big government tyrants have taken over the party. Here's the big question, Jim. Can we get the Democrat Party back? We always joke about, you know, the JFK-style Democrats all the way back when that supposedly represented the blue-collar worker, that supposedly represented the common guy, and, which they never really have. But could we at least get a no. little bit of common sense back in the party? <laughs>
3: they always pretended to they never really did and Kennedy's <laughs> actual record is vastly overrated yeah and in, in so many ways it's unfortunate but it's true but the image and the uh, the the image was good and his speeches were good and they inspired an entire generation of people so sure uh you know it was, it was inspired me in many ways but it wasn't uh Really, based on a reality, it was based on Ted Sorensen being a very good speechwriter and uh <laughs> JFK being uh, well, he was he was good and he was very telegenic, but some of the things that he did were really, really uh, not very smart, uh, especially the the uh Cuban missile crisis. But we won't get into all that.
0: Sure. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it makes sense. I, but that's the way the Democrats do. If you can talk really good and you're suave and you're kind of that celebrity yes. style and yeah. it's kind of the sexy messaging, then it works. That's how yes. Barack Obama won. I mean, he exactly. didn't know anything right. about politics, but at least no. he was the cool guy.
3: Yes. And, you know, as I've said many times with the that polished, low voice and the gestures and this, you know, soft delivery, it's all training. Yeah. Mm. They go through a lot of training to get that because it's very manipulative. You know, it's very manipulative to use that deep, uh, reassuring voice and you know with the reassuring gestures, and it, it's all training. Yeah. Not real.
0: Yeah, it's unfortunate. Um,
3: you know, I did start to tell you that uh, through the vote last Thursday, testified in the Wisconsin Assembly in their Campaigns and Elections Committee, um, that they found at least 4.8 million ballots trafficked in the 2020 election. <laughs> and, and and they use the term traffic because it's a special meaning. You know, with with, with the mail-in ballots, the Democrats were able to pile up tons of phony ballots and then dump them into these unattended uh, drop boxes all over you know in those states in those states that were uh, the toss up states sure and th- that's how they did it and i've known that they were involved in this research they've been involved in it for about a year and i mean this is a nationwide effort and now they are coming out with the results and it's simply uh, stunning i mean there there was never any doubt in my mind the Democrats stole the election. They did it with the mail-in ballots. They did it by making the last-minute uh, changes to election procedures, which is basically illegal. They violated the law to get what they wanted uh, under the pretext of COVID. Yeah. Um, but it was all a fraud to enable them to just overwhelm those key states with excess now that, fraudulent
0: ballot. Yeah, now that this is coming out in about 20 seconds here as we wrap up, uh, do you think that enough is coming out to where we can catch it for the next election? And are you optimistic about the midterm elections?
3: Well, I'm cautiously optimistic if they they are trying to do the same thing again. And, you know, the reason that Joe Biden is passing or trying to pass or trying to pass like multiple trillion yeah. dollar uh, bills is because they are giving it to the radical left. And the radical left will use it to organize for the election.
0: You're absolutely right, Jim. I hate to cut you off for out of time, my friend. It's Who Was Karl Marx's the book. Check it out, Jim. We appreciate it. We're back at it tomorrow here on The Voice Reason. Until then, we'll see you on the radio.